it's all wonderful until suddenly it's terrible and you've lost everything. Hey everyone and welcome to the episode 12 of the e-learning guys. My name is Nate Sajorgadulmin and I'm joined by Mr. David Charney. Hello Nate, hello everyone. And we also have uh, someone here with us today. It's a wonderful Kristen Anthony from Dear Instructional Designer podcast. Hey Kristen. Hey everybody, glad to be here. We are very happy to have you here. Maybe can you just do a short introduction for our audience about your podcast and, of course, about you and what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So once again, hey, everybody, I'm Kristen Anthony. I'm a learning experience designer and developer and a junior web and game developer. I'm the host of the Dear Instructional Designer podcast, where I interview guests and do solo episodes having to do with the instructional design journey. Really psyched to be here today. Fantastic. We have you here today because we're going to talk about building your portfolio. Mm. And uh, you guys are like the masters here and I'm the lonely pupil. <laughs> but before, before we jump in the main topic, we have uh, the follow-up first, which is non-existent. But we do have, of course, X Days in Review. And Kristen's going to join us uh, with her story about creating a Twitter bot and had and work on some open source and some accessibility things. So, Kristen, take over. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, in the past week, I worked on my first Twitter bot. Um, bots are something that I've had on my sort of great big project board for a while. And uh, I found a tutorial from Free Code Camp, if anybody else wants to check that out, on how to build and create a Twitter bot in about 30 minutes. Spoiler alert, it took longer than 30 minutes, but I did get it done. And um, it is a Twitter bot that retweets serious game tweets. Um, so anything with the hashtag serious game or serious games. Mm -hmm. And if you at mention it, it will give you a random um, instructional design related project idea. So it's kind of cool. And uh, cool. then the other thing that I have been working on a lot is I... Um, contribute to op an open source project called Opia. And uh, for all the instructional design newbies out there in particular, I think open source is a great way to sort of get some chops because you don't necessarily have to code. Um, but this has been code intensive. And I've been working on um, doing accessibility reviews. And that has just been really great because that's something that I think is so important and um, something that as a community, we really haven't done enough for. So that's been awesome. Well, you mentions Twitter bot, but what is this Twitter? Where, where can people, fi people find it? Yeah, okay. so the, the Twitter bot's handle is at GoLXDesign. Um, so you can follow that bot or you can just tweet at it and get yourself a project idea. Very nice. And what was the open source uh, uh, program name? I, I missed that one. Yeah, it's Opia, O-P-P-I-A. Okay, thank you, Kristen. I no had, problem. Uh, and, and my, I, I don't have anything exciting, but uh, had a problem. <laughs> uh, you know, in the 12 language course that I mentioned almost in every episode, <laughs> uh, of course, we get uh, loads of sounds, you know, for each language, for each slide. So there are a ton. And, and now we're at almost at the end of the project. 
and we receive the files. My wife tries to import them in Storyline, and there's an error. Uh, this sound uh, well, uh, error importing, um, this format is not supported. So, okay, this format is not supported. Maybe they encoded it somehow differently than before. I don't know what happened. Then she she wrote back to the lady that provided the sounds. Uh, she said that it was... Then she sort of changed something, and then, like, two sounds worked, and then it didn't work again. It, it was really weird, because this should have worked. And I then went on my computer, and I tried to import it, because just, you know, to see if there's something different with the computer. But no, it, I get the same error. And then I try an older file I had from another project, and that was imported successfully. So it was really, really weird what's happening. Mm. I even, yeah, I even tried to re-encode her files, uh, well, with, with my editing audio software, and put them in a folder, try to import. No, error, uh, format not supported. Uh, and it was really weird. Like, it, it felt like, why do the old files work, but not the newer files? And I, I even tried to record myself, like I'm doing now, and, and I tried mm -hmm. to import that sound, which I did a million times, and the same error. So, okay, this, this is something weird. It's, something else is going on here. And then it sort of clicked uh, that, that I went to check the path to the file, so the folder structure, you know. And then I see that uh, somehow we got a folder with uh, n n a few words and then dot, dot, dot. So there were three dots there. And it seems like this path worked fine, you know, on, you know, on a Mac. But then when I switched to Parallels, this path to that folder failed. And I guess it, it stopped at the three dots because it, it, it appears that that was some sort of special character and it just, you know, it didn't work in Windows, and that was the problem. And that's why the older files from another project, which were in another folder, worked fine. But these didn't. Those didn't. And then I just deleted the three dots. I, I said to try again, and it worked. So That is super interesting. It, it, like the... Yeah. That's not a very helpful error message, though, is it? No, no it really <laughs> weird that, you know, I guess it just couldn't read it, um... I don't know, and I, I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I don't know when, 10, 10 years ago or, or when, when you type three dots, some programs change it to a character, one character that is three dots, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. some, that's, right. some, mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm guessing some, something special must have happened there, and uh, the storyline just couldn't read that, or, or maybe, or even Windows, because I didn't, I didn't check in Explorer or something. But yeah, um, luckily, I, you know, it just felt that something was wrong and I tried to find, I, I did try to find another way to fix this. And yeah, so happy I did because it was like, come on, we're almost at the end. <laughs> it, it's, it's terrible when it, you can't figure out the, the logic problem. You know, everything seems yeah. logically like it should be working fine and it doesn't. And that's usually my most frustrating um, Yeah. Actually, that reminds me, I'll, a quick side story. I don't know if I've told this before, but we had a problem kind of similar. I th was sure it was like something like that where the file name wasn't right. We had a watermark in the background of a thing. Um, we were looking at it on different monitors, 
And one of the monitors, uh, just one of the computers, like the background wouldn't show up, and I'm checking all the file names, cannot figure out oh, man. why it won't show up. And it's because the uh, brightness on that screen was bumped yeah. up, yeah. and the watermark was just light enough that it just it disappeared <laughs> and nothing else disappeared. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never... I, it, it's been so long since I've been that frustrated. I, I could not figure out why it wouldn't show up. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's I. I often turn to uh, you know Occam's razor. Like um, if I if I if I boil it boil it down to a simple explanation, it's like <laughs> actually the simplest explanation is usually the correct one, or the explanation that uh, presupposes the least. That's that's usually you know the correct one, you know. Mm. So like in your case, it's like oh something is wrong with the code. It's not displaying. You know, it's a bunch of things. But it was a simple solution. Yeah, the brightness is wrong, and here it was the same. It's like yeah, we can't read the file. Was basically the the, the answer, and that's usually my my answer. If someone asks, uh, my computer doesn't work. I say, is it turned on? You know, that's the that's the first question you ask. <laughs> right. Like car broke. Is there any gas in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Dave, um, please tell us about your X Days in Review. Sure. Well, I don't have too much going on, but uh, I, I was hoping to have a lot going on. I woke up Saturday morning. I was ready to accomplish so much, you know, ran to the office or, you know, I walked, but ran to the office and I was like so ready to be creative Saturday morning because I was a little under the weather the, the weekend before. And so I wanted to get so much done. And of course, Windows wouldn't boot all the way. So an hour of trying to get it to boot, nothing. I had to like pull the battery out on the laptop to get uh, it to a uh, Windows message to allow me to kind of restart. Uh, reinstall windows Mm -hmm. Uh, four hours later i finally had everything up and running and i just i didn't feel like doing anything at that point so i just watched tv for like the rest of the day (laughs) um but uh i thought i'd throw out a public service announcement because of that now i back everything up i use backblaze or and i've used a couple other things before but if you don't back things up i would go do that right now well not right now not wait till the podcast is done but Go and get a good tool to back up your stuff because it's all wonderful until suddenly it's terrible and you've lost everything of yours or all of your clients' projects or whatever it might be. So I'll just throw that out there, public service announcement, get your stuff backed up. So that was my first thing. Second thing, um, I've been talking about the um, that kind of storyline ease JavaScript uh animation stuff I've been doing. And I just wanted to say that uh, I got two of the three examples on eLearning Locker, uh, eLearningLocker.com. So you can download that. I kind of split them up. If you'd seen the example, it was three and one, and now it's kind of split up into uh, each individual so that the code can be a lot cleaner. It should be easier for people to look at and hopefully incorporate into their own stuff. So wanted to say that I've been working on that a little bit, and that's, that's available now. Very nice. Yeah, that sounds cool. Have you seen the examples, Kristen? No, I haven't, but I'm going to go check them out. Uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> really, it's really, it's really ni- nice upgrade of you know what Storyline can do. But if you add some magic to it, it's really, really great results. Yep, yep. A little bit of magic. 
<laughs> yeah, JavaScript magic by uh, Mr. Wizard Dave. So let's continue. Our main topic today is building your portfolio. And like I said at the beginning, you will be the headmasters, I guess. <laughs> and I'll be the lonely pupil because if I'm 100% honest, on my Slovenian website, I have one storyline example, which is super simple, and one whiteboard YouTube video that I did just for promotional, as a promotional material, uh, explaining how does a leap year work. And that's it. That's it. Now, teach me. Teach me. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Where do we start? So building your portfolio. Uh, I would say, and since you've, you've not been too involved with your own portfolio, maybe no. as we have discussions, you can certainly throw out any questions or anything. I'm sure a lot of people have the same questions. So, you know, why have a portfolio? Uh, there's benefits of having a portfolio. First off, most people want to sell themselves. They want to sell their capabilities. They want to paint a picture of what they can do. Uh, and of course, that leads down the path of, well, why do you want to do that? Well, I, I want to get work or, you know, I need to survive. Uh, you know, I have to have a living. Um, some people just, it's kind of personal and they want to show off their, their work. But um, I know a lot of people, it's really important that they can properly present who they are to, um, you know, live out there in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and what other benefits, uh, Kristen, that you might have uh, off the top of your head that I might not have covered. Yeah, I think um, perhaps particularly for the newbie, but for, for anybody in instructional design, one of the things that I like to talk about the portfolio in terms of is um, it's an opportunity for you to sort of do and experiment the work that you want to do in the world. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, again, particularly when you're starting out, you may not know if you want to focus on e-learning or if you do, do you want to focus on video or do you want to focus on storyline or, you know, what do you sort of want to be, uh, be your niche? And uh, doing portfolio work is a great opportunity to explore all of those things and to um, think critically about what you're doing and how you're doing it and to put that out there. So it's also just a wonderful way of working out loud too. So those are, I think, two extra benefits to um, regularly doing portfolio work. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. And you know, mm -hmm. from your background too, I think you'll have a lot of wonderful information more from an instructional design uh point of view. I come from more of a maybe a graphical design as it relates to e-learning point of view. Mm -hmm. Uh and I don't know as much about what might be a a a good portfolio as it relates to an instructional designer. Um so, interested to hear hear that perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, oftentimes the portfolio is the front door to uh, what people see about you. And the first thing I do oftentimes when I am finding out about someone is I try to go and check out their portfolio. That's kind of my go-to thing to do. And if there isn't a portfolio, then I, you know, I either have to try to piece things together or I kind of move on. So um mm -hmm. I'd say another big thing is branding yourself. And that kind of goes, I think, a little bit past our conversation here. But I think a lot of people kind of merge those two together. Um, I, I think building a portfolio is kind of an element of branding yourself. Um, I, branding yourself could probably be a whole other 
podcast, but I know Kristen, you do a lot with branding yourself. Um, do you like how do you handle the divide between what your portfolio is and your brand? Um, I'm I'm not sure that I do. I mean, to be perfectly honest, um, the way I use my portfolio is really really in that sense of this is the type of work that I want to be doing, and so this is what I'm experimenting with. Um, but then, you know, per branding, I also have a, a sort of blog there on the same website where I use that. And one of the things that I really wanted to do with the blog, and again, this relates to branding, is really work out loud and be um, super honest, um, not not in a negative way, but very honest about my interactions. So I I blog about my frustrations and, you know, really about the the real things that I experience. So it's not all curated happiness and everything always works out on my blog, which I felt is really important. And I know that sometimes people get um, a little concerned about that with their professional spaces, you know, want that turn off future employers. So far, I have not had a problem with that. So that's something to think about. But, you know, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, Dave, was um, what you sort of talked about previously was uh, I read um, Austin Cleon's great Show Your Work book, which is a wonderful little book that I would recommend people read if you have time. Um, And he talks about this whole concept of sort of staking out your own little piece of the internet um, and getting getting your own domain and your own, you know, real estate out there versus maybe using, um, you know, medium or using, I I said versus, but maybe even in parallel to using a, a medium or or dribble or something like that. Like, what are your thoughts on that as far as, do you think people need to have their own little piece of real estate at their own domain? Or would you be okay if you had to go and look at somebody, if they had, you know, a dribble or a Behance or something like that? That's a good question. And I'd say, I I know a lot of times, I, I guess it depends on what I'm looking at them for. You know, for instance, if I'm if I'm trying to be a someone who should have the skills of having a website, then it's probably good to have a website. Um, uh, it's sometimes often valuable to have. Um, well, I'm probably getting. I'm starting to think too far down the branding uh, line, but because I certainly brand a lot of what I do as it relates to both my capabilities and my portfolio and how I want people to see myself. Um, I think someone starting off uh, with a new portfolio might want to f- focus a little bit more on the steps they want to take to get things done. And some of those other sites are going to be really probably a nice first step uh, if you're not comfortable moving on to having your own website and your own this and your own that. Um, I think that's probably, I think it's very much, they're stepping stones. And I, I think those are good mm. steps. Those are good good starter places to be because uh, it, it, it's, it, it offers a good place to start. Uh, it's kind of formatted already for you. Right. Kristen, I remember that you often uh, mentioned on your show that uh, building your portfolio is a great um, starting point for a newbie designer. And I, I totally agree. I would just comment for, or maybe just try to find an excuse for myself that uh, I guess as for a newbie, you know, they probably don't have a lot of work <laughs> uh, 
in in that area um and maybe they have more time because i was i was so swamped with all the projects that i i i just had i just had zero time to mm. to to do to work on portfolio or um just i just feel that there's a bit of a difference there between a newbie and i guess someone that uh, you know is working <laughs> in this area a lot yeah i think that's an excellent point and so i want to make um a couple of comments Firstly, um, again, I'm, I'm, there's another book that I read. It's called um, You're My Favorite Client by Mike Montero, another excellent book. And he talks um, about portfolio work sort of directly to a potential design client in a way that I thought really resonated with me. And he has um, things that he says are sort of red flags for a client and things that will be positive signs for a client. So Red flags, one of them is is a lot of the work, personal projects or student work. And um, that definitely hit home for me. I know it's going to hit home for a whole bunch of other newbies. Bottom line here, if you're a newbie, a lot of your work is going to be personal projects. I mean, it just is. Um, but the um, and that that could signal to somebody who's looking at your portfolio that you're a newbie. And that's fine. Um, just the recommendation there from Montero is that you should sort of, you should start replacing that stuff as soon as possible, as soon as you get work. Um, but the positive signs that I think sort of apply to everybody is, is the work an eclectic mix? Does every piece have a story? So again, I think it's worth it to talk about your process with each of your pieces, um, no matter where you are on the spectrum from newbie to experience. And does there, does, does your work make sense? And would a client want to use it? So he talks about visiting a portfolio in terms of um, sort of visiting a tailor. Like a person should be able to go there and say, hey, I want that suit. And I want it tailor- tailored for me and for my body. But I like what you've done here. Um, so that's important. The other thing is, from, uh, from a more experienced person's perspective, I think it's like always be asking, can I take screenshots of this? Is that possible? You know, if you're doing contract work, maybe try and work that into the contract. But um, that's that's about asking. Like I, you know, interactive stuff is great. But when you're doing actual work for people and it's their um, intellectual property, then, you know, you might not be able to even do a sort of sanitized version or a, a shorter version of what you actually did for them. So I've had a lot of success at each of my jobs saying, hey, can I take screenshots of this, that, and the other, and I will scrub it of whatever information you think necessary and put that on my portfolio. And I've Mm -hmm. done that, and um, it's not been a problem. So I think even if you don't have time to sort of create your own projects, um, one of the things that you can very easily do is talk to your clients about can I take screenshots? Can I, can I tell the story of this work? Mm-hmm. Maybe if I just add a bit uh, more info here, I you know <laughs> when I go to a meeting, I have some stuff to show because uh, I can show the um, exactly what you you were talking about. I can show all the more or less all the work I have been, all the projects I have been working on, I just cannot put them, you know, on my website, but I can show, mm. you look for, for this company, we did this course, and this company, we did this course, mm-hmm. and I can show them in full, and I have just their verbal confirmation that that is fine. Uh, oh, okay. But it's, it's, but my website is sort of, you know, uh, tumbleweeds. <laughs> 
Yeah, and we run into that a lot too, you know, having a business, you know, I've got kind of a personal side and a business side. And there's certainly a lot of NDAs and things that are signed and you 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 have to you have to follow those. But yeah. if you can a, a lot of people are very open to you saying hey, um, you know, if I take a, a portion of this or, you know, whatever you can get from it. Um, and to be honest, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, you don't always want to have everything. So um, the sooner you can kind of make that request, you know, if it's two years after the fact, it might be a little harder to uh, get the permission. But yeah. if you're actively in that relationship with a with client, uh, it's good to, good to kind of he- head down that path with them. Uh, so um, I'd say too one important thing that I've realized over the um, over the many years I've been doing this is that I'd say the most important thing that can often lead to you not having a good portfolio is not finishing your portfolio. If you don't finish your portfolio, it doesn't matter like how much work you put into your portfolio. If you can't show it, uh, it's not going to be valuable to you. And uh, I think a lot of people. I mean, oftentimes building a portfolio is like the thing they have to do after hours. And if it takes too long to do it, you start looking at it when you're getting towards the end and you start saying, boy, I could build a lot better portfolio than this now. And it's a, ne- it's a never-ending process. So I, I recommend, I'll say this just as a blanket statement, um, always plan to finish your portfolio, uh, even if it's in stages, so that it can be uh, out there. And I think a lot of the things we'll continue talking about will go into, you know, you can have these stages and still have a nice portfolio. But, but when is it finished? I mean, how do you know? Who knows? <laughs> when people can see it and you're happy with uh, people seeing it, I think then it's, it's finished. It's never finished, but it, there's, there's points where it's available. Maybe that's the right word. Right. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say just sort of related, you know, it seems like a, any portfolio is sort of due cycles of review, you know, it, it, and again, particularly for the newbies, do I want to take this student work off and put on this real thing that I did? Or do I want to take this simple thing off and put on this, um, you know, more, more cool thing that I did? You know, it seems like there, there is a, a, a cycle of iteration that your portfolio needs to be continuing to go through to make sure that it's up to date with sort of the work you are doing, the work you want to do. Um, and it doesn't have to be every day, obviously. It could be, you know, twice a year or before you start looking for another job. Um, but I think, I think it does need to be iterative. You do need to be thinking about it and looking at it and updating it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But you have to make sure it, you don't, it just doesn't sit on the back burner too long right. because yeah. it'll, uh, it'll, not be, uh, it'll not be what it needs to be. I'd say, too, we were talking a little bit, um, maybe the very first step you would want to do when determining what's going to be a good portfolio for you is start to write out your goals and objectives of that portfolio. You know, if you, if you want to start along the path of branding yourself, that might be a goal. If you're really in need of getting certain types of projects, whether it's storyline or some other program or um, even writing or whatever it might be, write down those goals and start building a portfolio based on those goals. Because it's gonna, you're gonna have a much more refined and focused uh, portfolio if if you do that. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice. And and so here's something I want to ask your opinion on, Dave. Is um, one of the things that I I talk about is you see a lot of portfolios that are like they start off 
with the front page, you know, this is me and these are my skills. And basically it's like, this is my resume. And then you have portfolios that are, here are my projects. Um, I tend to go into the second category. I think that speaks better about me and about my work and what I want to present. But what what are your thoughts on sort of those two different ways of presenting um, a portfolio website? Hmm, that's a good question. I It's like for me, see, and again, I'm a little bit different my personal side to my business side. Personally, I like to show off my capabilities. You know, this is what I can do. And sometimes those capabilities are not, uh, they kind of might connect with different audiences, but my business stuff, those are really specific. And a lot of times those are more based on projects specifically. And we try to call out certain aspects of, you know, with a, with a business, you're reaching out to a lot of different people. And so you kind of have to have a portfolio that covers a lot of things, but still seems focused enough. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly. Um, I think it, it probably depends on the, the goal. I'm not sure. What are your, well, I guess you told, told us your thoughts. Um, have you had port, I guess, have you had different portfolios like that and had different results with the type of uh, approach you've used? Yeah, I, it, um, it wasn't so much results focused, but when I was first building my portfolio a couple of years ago, I decided I'm going to have an online portfolio because before then I should mention I had just, you know, a, um, a paper portfolio and I would bring it to me uh, or bring it with me um, on interviews where, you know, here are screenshots and, and here are images of things that I've done. Um, but I wanted to build an online portfolio and I started looking at templates. And the first one I tried was one of those you know, slick looking sort of templates that says, you know, I have XYZ skills in Photoshop and um, et cetera, et cetera, and, and really more resume based. And I know that that sort of um, ranking of Photoshop skills and things have has been critiqued in the design community because that's, again, one of those sort of portfolio archetypes, if you will, that are out there in the world. But I, I kept looking at it and thinking there's something really wrong with this and I just, I don't like it. And it it's not doing anything for me. And so I was really much, much happier after switching to my current model, which puts my work um, first and foremost. And then there's a, you know, a little about page and then my blog, but my work is sort of the first page you see. And that just makes a heck of a whole lot more sense to me. And I think it better represents me than um, a faux resume page would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I could imagine someone starting out might need m- more of a resume-ish sort of page as they mm. are building their portfolio. That's that's an excellent suggestion, yeah. But yeah, I agree. As you start to have, like for me, again, I had said I, you know, a lot of my stuff comes from the visual, the visuals that we we create. It's you know that for someone to make a connection very quickly based on a visual is usually better than someone having to try to read through something. And so for, for me and for, for my company, it's, it's valuable for people to be able to look just at our imagery and say, and make those connections. Um, now, often they do need to, to then kind of have a, have a check and say, okay, well, can they do this and this and this? Because that's really important to me. And to have that easily available to them, some of the almost documentation of it, uh, is also important. And I'm sure as you know, time goes on, people are coming up with different approaches to presenting things and 
you start getting all these clouds of like where both of those things kind of mesh into one almost. Um, I'm sure it'll be really interesting in the future, um, combinations of those types of uh, approaches all in one. Well, in the future, we'll just send it directly to a client's brain and it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, the robots will, the robots will handle yes, everything for That's us right. in the future. <laughs> so another thing that I think is important, you know, as you're defining your goals and objectives is to think about your portfolio experience. You know, imagine you are some, are the person that you want to be viewing your portfolio. How do they do that? And again, I, I kind of jump back and forth between me and my business because oftentimes when I am, I like to have a portfolio of my stuff, but not have too much stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you run into NDAs and things and you can't so- show certain things. But um, often when I'm presenting my material, if I need to uh, have a conversation with someone, it's a lot better for me to have a number of projects that I'm driving available because I can really get down specifically into the stuff that's going to be most valuable for someone. So, you know, portfolio might be a little different if it's online versus you need to go and talk to someone. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you, if you think about the portfolio experience or portfolio experiences that you might be involved in, I think you might continue kind of working through those goals and objectives and end up with a, a better idea of what is going to be valuable. That is a really, really good point. Yeah, I, and I guess the the thing I would just sort of say in addition um, is that you know when you when you have a specific client that you're going to talk to or a job interview that you're going to um, to go to, then go ahead and pick out those portfolio pieces that you think are are valuable and be prepared to talk to them. And and yeah, I just I think that's such an excellent point that you talked about. Are you going to be there presenting and driving or are are you sort of going to send it to them and and they be looking through it themselves? And, and um, in my experience, what's happened is is sort of both. Um, I've sent people links to my portfolio. They go and check it out. And then when I get to the interview, I specifically call out some things and say, this is why I think this applies to the kind of work you guys are doing. And here's why. And here are some features. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to show them something relatable. Yeah. Mm. Well, and that also goes into something that another reason I often like to drive when I'm in a in a meeting and trying to explain capabilities is that, as you know, sometimes these courses can be, you know, they're they're longer than thirty seconds, you know, and they could be twenty minutes, and you might have something at the end of a course and I'll say a, a type of course where you need to really read the material to get through because, of course, they're usually learning-based and you're trying to learn as you go. So for someone to just say, quickly click through to get to the end, to the thing that is you think is going to be the most important, oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they may never get there because it's too much of a of a mountain to climb to even get there. So I that's why I like to drive, and if I can't, Sometimes I'll make little videos uh, to show off different aspects of projects because I can really control what is going to be presented. Mm-hmm. And that's actually kind of goes back to when asking permission. Uh, if you aren't allowed to show work um, and you want to ask that permission, sometimes by making a video or something like that to expand on just having images, 
you can show that video and they can approve it because they know exactly what it is. So yeah. I'll throw that out there. Oh, yeah, I like that. Do it first and, and then say, hey, will you approve this? That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a, a question I have then is, um, again, sort of for the newbie, but even for the experience, but I'm thinking of the newbie particularly right here. Would you Would you recommend then that they sort of stick to creating tiny, tiny courses, tiny learning experiences for their portfolios as opposed to um, sort of great big projects? Uh, when are, are you talking about if they've, so often you build a project for, to meet a need and then you have to, and then can you use that as a portfolio? Well, I mean, piece? for a lot of times though, newbies are sort of thinking up their own projects or they're oh, using articulate, mm-hmm. um, you know, the e-learning heroes challenges or something like that. And, um, you know, saying, well, I want to create this project. And so, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you've got something that you've already done, you know, for schoolwork or for a client, then yeah, it's a matter of abridging it. But if you're thinking up your own project, would you recommend that they sort of keep it tiny? I think so. Uh, un- unless there's a reason to not do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you can kind of keep it focused and personally, I like to, if I'm working on a project, I like to finish it. Um, or oh, I like yeah. to, I like to build, <laughs> I like to build stuff. <laughs> I like to build stuff that looks finished. If that, yeah, that might sound better. Um, mm-hmm. If it if it looks finished and it's to the point and shows off what I want, then that, that's usually all I need. And yeah, if you're kind of starting off and you're trying things, um, I think that's a great idea is to to build kind of these micro things because y- you might not know how people are going to view it. And and I sort of feel like I don't know as a lazy person. <laughs> That if I were to be looking at a portfolio, I would prefer to have, you know, a bunch of short stories, you know, in, in quotes, uh, than a few big ones where I have to click through to, you know, just, I would just prefer to have a taste, quickly taste of each, um, mm. than, mm-hmm. than have a mountain there to climb. You want like the sampler platter? Yeah. Yes, sir. Please. <laughs> just in and out burger yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> great point yeah but no i mean certainly that that allows you to um have a much nicer more focused portfolio but it also lets you build stuff a lot quicker mm-hmm. so i uh and and usually too when you're building your own stuff you don't have this mountain of material that you can build into stuff so often it's uh you know it's uh well and uh, honestly you know we sometimes will kind of create, we'll have like an idea and it might be technical or it might be like some little thing. And it, that might not be enough to, it might be technically like, yeah, that looks cool, but it might not be easily explainable to someone. So sometimes by integrating it into a more complex thing, um, like that uh, search thing I did in Storyline, if mm-hmm. I would have just made it a search thing, but not really focused it as a, as a um, HR kind of example where you can search various things, I think it would be a lot harder for someone to get why it might be valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I always try to, yeah, take a thing that I'm trying to do and tell a story with it. Yeah, context. Yep. Yeah, it's like how do you apply the thing that you created in, in, in a real-world example? Exactly, yeah. Well, yeah. Why? <laughs> 
why did you even do this? You know? Yeah, why, <laughs> why, why? Um, and we're kind of getting into kind of focusing material. That's another topic we have here. Uh, I think I know starting off, like you just kind of packed as much stuff in, you know, and it's like, look at all this stuff I can do, you know, and that's not the best thing you can do usually. Um, it's usually much better to, again, focus the material on on what's going to be valuable to you. Uh, and, you know, by weeding out what's good and what isn't, and sometimes it's difficult to kind of know what's good and what isn't as you're building your first portfolio, but, and that's okay. You start to kind of get an idea. And usually as you keep building stuff, you'll have things that are a little bit, you know, I don't know, look better or more interesting or whatever it might be. And, and like we were talking about earlier, you, this is an organic sort of thing and you'll just kind of keep replacing things. But um, yeah. I don't know, what are your thoughts on, on mm-hmm. you know, focusing the material? So I, yeah, when I talk to people, I, um, I, again, I, I often go back to what, what kind of work do you want to do in the world? And um, as, as we've sort of been talking about that I think is very valuable is um, your portfolio when you're a newbie may and probably is going to look different than when you're more experienced and it's probably going to grow and change and evolve and that's totally fine. And so I think for for the newbie, um, again, you you are going to have more. Um, you are going to have stuff that maybe isn't great that you're going to need to swap out as time goes by. So that really speaks to the need to continue mm-hmm. to um, to look at your portfolio. Um, and then the the other thing is that uh, I I I. I often sort of, I think, uh, again, for a newbie is say, go, go eclectic, you know, do, do all of the different sorts of things that you're interested in. And then as time goes by, you can sort of start to focus on this is the type of work that I want to do in the world. This is what really sort of lights me up. And so um, at that point, you can start to focus on here's what I'm really good at and want to do um, as far as portfolio pieces. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I, I like the part where you say you have to switch it out because it was bad. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just shows you that you've grown, that you developed your skills. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that if we all look at our older, older, older projects, and maybe even one year ago, you look at it and you're like, oh, I, this could have been done better. I know... This is not how you're supposed to do it or something like that. So that if I if I see that with myself, I just know, okay, I know more now than, than I did, which is good. <laughs> mm, yeah. Portfolio is reflection, which it is. It definitely is a good place to reflect on where mm. you've grown and how you've grown. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I always tend to do is, and I usually have a big portfolio, like I have a base of projects and I tend to focus the material based on the conversation. Um, but, and that's great for if I'm kind of live with someone, but if I'm not, then sometimes it's valuable to have like multiple portfolios where your focus is a little bit different based on what you're trying to do. Uh, and some people are, you know, really focused on, you know, if like, let's say you, you love to do writing, but you also love to do, uh, you know, graphics. Um, if you're usually, you'll kind of build kind of slightly tailored portfolios, and when you're going after those different types of jobs, 
Uh, have you guys ever tailored your your presentations, your portfolios like that? Well, you know, it's interesting you ask because one of the things that I've been telling myself to do this year, besides sort of just moving my portfolio off of WordPress, was create a separate game development portfolio. Um, and sort of the reason why I want to do that is is to have those separate messages of, you know, this is this is sort of the e-learning focused stuff. And if you're interested in that, you can go here without sort of polluting it with game and, and coding stuff that people may not find as applicable. So that's that's really interesting. And I, I, I don't know that I can name off the top of my head people who have separate portfolios, though. Um, can you guys think of any? Usually I don't see it on a website. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I go to a website, um, although, you know, sometimes I do. I think I see a lot of like kind of... Um, People that are newer to have a portfolio, they will tend to, especially people in school, they will often have, you know, like, well, I did these self-drawing uh, things, so I drew these people, and here's a portfolio with some of the people, and here is um, another uh, area of the site that's for um, graphic design. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so okay. I, I do kind of see it like that sometimes, but in the in people that have been around for a while and have a lot of um, a lot more to their portfolio, uh, it it I think I do usually see it a bit more focused uh, online. But I have I do know a number of people that tailor it for presentations. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And you know, there's so many categories too that I know I run into. You know, some people are like, "Well, I want to see your e-learning stuff." You know, we we do a lot of. Uh, um, I don't know, product-based stuff or new hire stuff or or it might be technology, you know, what's your storyline stuff, what's your uh, Lectora stuff or Captivate or what's your, you know, so there's a lot of different types of categories, mm. uh, it's, which makes it more difficult, um, which is why you have to find, uh, you have to be creative about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one thing too is the the quality of your portfolio. You know, how do you make it look good and that's harder to I'd say that's probably a lot harder to define you know when when you look at a portfolio what is what's better than the other portfolio that's that you just looked at for instance it's I think there's a there's a level of quality that's again this is probably a whole nother podcast as far as uh, uh, your projects the quality of your projects and how to maybe enhance the quality of the projects but um uh, that's an important thing to keep in mind as you're putting your portfolio together is you might have something that just might not be as nice and you have to make the decision on if you want that in your portfolio and you have the option too if there's something that you say boy I really like this in here but it just I don't like the look of it or I don't think people are going to like the look of it you you can always try to enhance it yourself in your portfolio but do you guys have any thoughts on how do you enhance the quality of, uh, or maybe things that might be good to keep in mind when you're thinking about project quality? No, I, I think I think again it goes back to um, that that iterative approach. You know, if you're you're starting off with your yeah. the stuff that you think look, looks good now, and then in two years you're like, oh my gosh, what was I doing? Um, then you, you know you start you start sort of um, sneaking that stuff off your website. And as you talked about, Dave, you know, if if that stuff is sort of applicable, like technically applicable, or 
There are other parts of it that are really, really good, but maybe don't visually present well. I mean, there's no reason why you can't write a blog post about it or yeah, or true. present it um, mm-hmm. present it face to face with a potential client or employer and say, "This is why I'm I'm talking about this um, with you," or, or tell you know tell that story otherwise without um, necessarily presenting the visuals at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and I I was talking visuals, but I should also say maybe the way it's written, you know, it might visually be nice, but it's kind of it's not really a good training tool or, or learning course uh, or micro course or whatever it is. Um, but also, it might technically not work very well. You know, if you're trying to, you know, this looks nice. It's a drag and drop of some sort, but it just fails across the board. Probably not the best thing to have in there, uh, or no. at least you'll want to correct it. Uh, because uh, being a business owner and bringing people on board and looking at portfolios, it might look nice, but if it's if it's breaking, and I know that that's part of why we might be bringing someone on board, uh, you know, that that's going to be, uh, I'm not going to, I don't know, it's not going to jump to the top of the stack. Yeah. It's going to be a price to pay. Price to pay. <laughs> I should say, though, um, I think a lot of people, I've talked to people that are kind of new, you know, they're getting out of school and or they're new to e-learning and they don't have a very, very big portfolio and they worry that it's not going to look all that great. Well, personally, we often need people that can, that are kind of new. You know, it might not, we might need help doing a lot of things and putting the stuff together. And we don't always need like someone that's been doing it for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I can recognize that your portfolio might be new, I can also usually recognize that y- you're working hard on it and you're, you're doing a good job with kind of this new stuff. And I can usually recognize that stuff. And so just keep that in mind. Yeah, that's really helpful from, a, from an employer client point of view to yeah that you know your portfolio may give away that you're new but it may also give away that you're a hard worker and you're a fast learner and that you're thinking carefully about the story and the process um, and all of that's very valuable mm-hmm. yep so you've got your portfolio it's fantastic it's the best thing on earth how do we dis- distribute it or promote it or you know get it out there and uh nate's while well, you don't haven't gone too far down the path of having your own portfolio. You certainly are out there on Twitter and various things all the time. Um, and yeah. Christian, I've seen a lot of your stuff. I see your stuff all the time and I love looking through it. And uh, how do you guys tackle the the promotion of your work? Uh, I'd say this is plain and simple. Show your work and do it regularly. Um, whether you want that to be sort of that you blog regularly and regularly, by the way, doesn't have to mean once a week or once a day. Um, if you get yourself on a schedule of once a month, that's fine, but just be consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you want to use something like um, Buffer or some other type of social media scheduling tool. Um, I, I remember I had a conversation with Jane Bozarth on my podcast, and that was just, that was sort of her number one recommendation for newbies. You know, you're trying to get out there on the conference scene. That's specifically what we were talking about that uh, that time. But, you know, just sort of get yourself known. It's it's about showing your work on a regular basis. Your your name and your stuff and your participation needs to be out there in front of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do actually have some stuff on, uh, on Storyline forums, you know, because that's also yeah. sort of a portfolio. 
Yeah, yeah that's true. an excellent, excellent starting place. Yeah. So all my, you know, experiment experimentation is is posted there. So I guess that's also yeah one one point. You know. Uh, the the challenges too the uh, articulate challenges I think that people use that a lot for kind of presenting their their work absolutely what David Anderson does at the end of those is kind of almost build I mean he does build little presentations or little por- por- portfolios of all the things in each uh, challenge so I would definitely check those out if you're new or not new and um, that's just another way to kind of get your stuff out there yep so we talked about staying up to date. Uh, that was a bullet point on on the list. Uh, I think that's uh, important, but we've kind of covered a lot of that. I've got some other things to consider, though, and I'd be interested in some other thing. You know, if if there's other things to consider that I haven't covered. Um, first off, NDAs. Uh, we talked about it briefly. Non disclosure agreements. A lot of times you have to sign these when starting a project, which is uh, a totally normal thing to do. But you have to be aware. You don't want to show off something that might have important information in it. Or, I mean, if you sign an NDA, you shouldn't show it off unless you have permission. Um, and I'll tell you, when presenting your your stuff, a lot of companies appreciate that you won't show things. Um, so don't don't always think that's a, a negative. And also, one thing that's a really big thing for me when I'm looking at someone's portfolio is if. I'm not sure what you did over what maybe the group did. It's really hard for me to know what within this is actually your portfolio. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I always, if I see that, I always have to ask, can you tell me what you actually did in, this, in, in these projects? Um, any other things that you guys have to, other portfolio things to consider? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. Um, other than, you know, I think just sort of to wrap up, it's think about, um, think about your platform and think about, I guess I should say, think about your user experience. Like, so when we talked about, um, material quality and, and, um, your portfolio experience and those sorts of things, I feel like one of the things where, um, a sort of learning experience design portfolio could, could excel at, even if you don't have very many projects, is really thinking about the user experience there um, and, you know, making it easy for people to find what you've done on X. So, you know, even if you're looking at a template, um, thinking about can people search? Can people find all of the projects that I did with Storyline very easily? Can they find all of the coding projects that I've done very easily? And really thinking about the user experience from that point, because I think... Um, for any thoughtful client out there, that says a lot about what you can do um, and what you think about and your process um, as far as learning experience design. So uh, what I'm saying there is is think about your portfolio design-wise and don't just like throw, throw a bunch of things up there. Um, think about the experience of somebody using your online portfolio and how you can make that good. Mm-hmm. No, that makes yep. sense. You know, one thing actually that might be good to briefly talk about as we wrap up here is, okay, someone might have listened to this podcast and then said, okay, I'm going to create a portfolio, but now what? Uh, You know, they might not be uh, web developers and they want to have a website. Uh, I'll say that there, if you do a couple of searches, there are a lot of great uh, 
sites out there that let you kind of build things. There's like WordPress sites. There's there's all sorts of different site builders that can probably help you out. Um, I know that we've used WordPress and a couple other things uh, often over the years. Um, Kirsten, I, I don't know how your site is managed, but um, have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I, I don't know if this is appropriate, so you guys feel free to cut this out, but I actually wrote a whole ebook on this um, that you can grab for free um, from Gumroad, and in it, it has portfolio uh, examples as well as um, things to think about and resources as far as actually building it. Um, I can say right now that, um, oh, and that's called Go Design Something. Um, but right now, my portfolio is hosted on WordPress. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about um, accessibility and site speed and things like that. And so one of my projects for this year is to actually transfer the, um, that site to Jekyll and a static site generator mm-hmm. um, to, to sort of make it faster um, and to get rid of the the big bloated back end, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. But WordPress is a is an excellent, easy to use tool um, where you don't necessarily have to have any coding involved, and so that's definitely my go to recommendation for anyone who is trying to put their own stuff up on the web. Um, that and of course, um, one of the the really nice. Uh, web page builder services, something like um, uh, Squarespace or something like that. Yeah, I'm on Squarespace. Okay, awesome. Okay, and on that note, I think it's time to wrap up episode 12. Christine, thank you very much for coming on the show. Please tell us where can people find you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, You can find me on Twitter. I'm at AnthChris. Uh, my personal blog slash portfolio is knanthony.com. And you can find the podcast at dearinstructionaldesigner.com. Thank you. And Mr. Dave? Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, for custom e-learning. You can go to Illumin Group at illumingroup.com. Uh, also, uh, you can check out a lot of my videos and templates and various other things at elearninglocker.com. And I'm always on Twitter uh, at Dave underscore Charney, C-H-A-R-N-E-Y. And how about you, Nate? Where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at N-E-J-C-D and also on elearningbrewery.com where you can contact me for help with your storyline projects or even training uh, one-on-one. All the show notes uh, will be available at the elearningguys.com slash 12. Uh, you can contact us through the website and if you're maybe in iTunes, uh, if you leave a raving w- review, we would appreciate it. Uh, have a great time until the next time, I guess. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yep. Take care and happy learning, everyone. Adios. I'll see you guys next time. Is David still here? Oh, man, he dropped. Dave. <laughs> Hello. Hey, did did your wife turn on the microwave? <laughs> no, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs>